of the Twinsultation with your favorite twins. I'm Isaac Harris, and with uh, co-hosting with my brother Daniel Harris. Daniel, say hi to the people. Hello, everyone. <laughs> and then there we have it. We have hello. And today we have uh, a very special guest, an old classmate of ours from uh, VU, who's a rising journalism major, and not, actually not rising, a graduate journalism major from VU, and also, a, I want to say, recent graduate of the most of one of the most esteemed journalism programs in the country at Arizona State, the Walter Conkrite School, and ex ex athlete, ex volleyball player, and probably knows more things about sports than I do, and or Daniel myself, uh, Aaron Aaron Slindy with us today as our special guest. So say hi, Aaron. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I know we're excited to have you. We have a lot of questions and a lot to cover in not a lot of time but we can make we'll, we'll make this work we'll make this work so Aaron how's everything going it's going good uh, like you mentioned uh, I did graduate from West Virginia University with my degree in broadcast journalism and shortly after I graduated um, COVID hit so it was really hard for me to find a sports reporting job when there was uh, no sports going on so I moved mm-hmm. back home and I thought you know what am I what am I gonna do and so um, I had went the past, right before COVID hit, I had went to spring training for my dad's birthday and I absolutely loved it in Arizona. So I said, you know, I know there's an in-game host position open there. They didn't know if they could hire me until the beginning of August. So I just took a shot and applied at ASU, which is one of the most decorated programs in the entire nation. And I got in. Mm-hmm. So I, for the past year, I've been living here in Arizona. Um, I finished my master's degree in one year, uh, three semesters. Um, fall, spring, and summer, so I've just been go, go, go for an entire year, just trying to get as much experience and make that many connections as I can. And so now I'm recently graduated, I'm currently looking for jobs, uh, which is, you know, I feel like I was right back here just a little bit more than a year ago, but now I feel like I'm that much more experienced, I'm ready to go out into the field and really see what I can do with the experience that I have so far. Right, right, and I feel that I know COVID's definitely changed the sports world, the, the how we have to look at everything with media, uh, the rise of podcasts, the rise of using more technology-based media and stuff. And I, I know it's definitely taken a toll. But what's some since you've been working in Arizona? What's some of the projects you have been doing or in, during your year in um, in Arizona? Yeah, so my first two semesters here were pretty basic. Um, My first semester, I went through boot camp, so kind of just was a good overview of everything journalism, whether it came from writing, audio, video, um, you name it, we did it. So that was a good refresher to just build to my skill set. My second semester was a little bit more focused. I got to cover a lot of um, ASU sports, and also I had a high school sport uh, beat, which is awesome. A good experience. I got to just meet some local high school kids that just I felt like was me yesterday. And then um, my last semester here in the summer, there was actually a lot going on here in Arizona. We hosted the 2021 NCAA Golf Championships that I got to cover. 
Obviously, the Suns made a great playoff run. It was really fun to see Javon Carter a part of a team that um, really exceeded everyone's expectations when it came to teams in the NBA. To kind of watch them go through that, got to report on that. Uh, the Diamondbacks obviously were playing. They had a little bit of a rough start, but obviously started to turn it around, which was really fun. Um, got to cover the Olympics. I was doing some writing for the Team USA page and for the Pac-12. Got to interview a lot of different athletes from both Arizona and or Arizona State that went to the Olympics. And also got to um, interview uh, a Paralympic athlete, which is something that I had never done before and ended up actually being my best story of the entire semester. So it was really, really fun. I am so grateful just for everything and every opportunity I got to cover this summer. Oh, wow. So this is, it sounds pretty busy. And I know... Uh... With all the events going on in Phoenix and stuff like that, and especially with the Suns going to the NBA Finals, it was definitely a very, it seemed like it was a very eventful. What do you think, Daniel? I think it was eventful, but I think she was more excited to see JC uh, a little bit in the Finals, hopefully win one. And, you know, I mean, I, I, think that, I think that's why she was really excited. She was rooting for the Suns heavy. I know that for a fact. So, but. Now, now she can't be too biased <laughs> in the profession. So I feel that, but no, that sounds very cool. Now, I, you mentioned that you mentioned that uh, you did graduate from WVU, so we have to backtrack a little bit and stuff like that. So, was there and you played volleyball there for all four years uh, at WVU? So, what kind of did by playing and having that experience inspire you? Like you said, you know what? I want to also like be a sports reporter um, in that in that realm, or go into broadcast media as well. Yeah. So actually, it's kind of crazy because. Um, a lot of times uh, you don't really know what you want to do with your life. And I feel like there's a lot of people that have like changed majors and stuff like that. But I started being recruited when I was in eighth grade for volleyball. That's when you could start getting recruited when I was recruited. So I was recruited so early. So I was forced to kind of be looking at colleges that I would eventually spend like my four years and get a degree from. So I kind of sat down with my parents when I started going through the recruiting process. Like, hey, like what? What do I want to do with the rest of my life? Obviously, volleyball is my focus right now. It's what I'd love to do. But, you know, volleyball doesn't last forever. Sports, like, your career doesn't can't last forever. So um, we kind of decided with my love and passion for sports, I played so many different sports growing up, and my kind of outgoing and friendly personality that I would be really, really great um, telling the stories of other athletes and being a sports journalist. So um, I kind of... Just like that kind of led me through the recruiting process, went to WVU, really pursued that. And I kind of just stuck with it. I kind of, I feel like I had this athlete mentality where I was like, you know, it might be hard and it might not be something that I know everything about, but I'm going to work really hard at it. And I know that if I want to get far in any career that I choose, I'm going to have to work that much harder than everyone else. So I feel like that really has driven me to the point where I'm at today. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That's uh... I feel that. I mean, and I feel like we all know us three all being co former former college athletes at one point in life are continuing, as Daniel stated earlier off the off camera and off recording that he's still continuing his uh, college basketball career for at least a couple more years. Um, it, it does help. It does kind of help with the motivational factor and kind of helps with that experience and try to prepare for that post life, um, like that kind of dis that being disciplined in post sport which is kind of nice to know. And now I know Dana, I know you got a couple questions. I know you're holding back. You got, you got something to say? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do got a question with the, with the experience of, um, you know, being a division one athlete, you're basically 
Well, I wanted to save this one question because it was about realignment. Speaking of Dub V, there has been some news shocking, and you're in Pac-12 country about an alliance. You know, I mean, what? If for those who are listening outside who don't know what's going on, Aaron, if you can explain in the simplest terms, like what is the impact with that realignment and everything? With you know, especially like how much is it going to impact off the court and off the. Um, off the court and on the court for athletics so far since you've been covering Arizona State and Arizona, and then you also played for Dub V. So I just wanted to know, that was one big question I wanted to know. Yeah, so when you talk about realignment, I assume that you're talking about Texas and Oklahoma opting pretty much out of the Big 12, um, which yeah. I think is, is very interesting anyways. Uh, the last time I think something like this happened was when uh, the Big 10 adopted Maryland and Rutgers. And so that was a big shift because you go from having this amount of teams to now this amount of teams. What does that say for the schedule? And obviously the SEC has a lot of teams and adding two more teams to that, um, you're not going to be playing everyone, um, you know, twice. Do you think a lot of like sports, uh, football obviously plays everyone um, once either home or away. But for other sports like basketball, volleyball, like you're playing everyone both home and away. So it it kind of comes when you have more teams, you can't play everyone once or twice. So then it comes down to, okay, well, now what do we do? What does that do for our seating? Because obviously the regular season that you play in conference does affect the postseason. And so... Mm -hmm. If you put Texas and Oklahoma, um, obviously for football, they take four teams in the college football playoffs, which they're also thinking about changing now to making that more of a more of a six or eight team. Um, but now you look at other sports, too. Um, if you are in that bottom half of the SEC now, there's no shot that you can make postseason. It's going to be really hard for you to make that. So it makes things harder for the teams in the SEC, but also harder for Texas and Oklahoma knowing that they're going up against other schools and may have to forfeit some of those postseason um, tournaments. And also you think about um, Texas is pretty competitive in the football and the football world. Obviously Oklahoma is uh, being in the college football playoffs these past couple of years. But now, uh, you know, you're going up against bigger teams. You might have to forfeit that, that postseason. Um, so I think it'll yeah. definitely be interesting to see what happens. Um, I'm not sure if the Big 12 is looking to adopt more teams or to go to other leagues, which completely is going to shatter the form of the Power Five conferences. So it should be interesting to see kind of what happens. Obviously, West Virginia um, is in a completely different region of the United States than the rest of the Big 12. So it might make more sense for them to go to the ACC, um, another league that is closer geographically. It makes more sense. But it'll definitely be interesting to uh, see what happens. And, uh, I mean, it'll either way, whatever happens will happen and sports will continue. So we'll see what happens. Right. Now, do you now do you support the argument to where, like, I mean, I know, I know a lot of it, a lot of the realignment is happening because of what we're in, into here is sports media. The media is into it. There's a lot of money at stake for both, for both schools, Texas and Oklahoma, and unfortunately, you know it yourself as being a former WVU athlete who's not at a major revenue, who's not playing for the major revenue sport. You know that um, a lot of the revenue for the Big 12 is coming from Texas and Oklahoma from their fans watching. And then also WVU fans have a huge influence because they don't they, they love watching their Mountaineers regardless. 
but it's not the same level of impact in, in Texas, Oklahoma. Do you think that's going to fracture uh, traditional rivalries or traditional basis of what college sports means going forward? Or is there... Or do you think it's just going to keep going the way it is? So from my understanding, the Big 12 has this budget. And yes, um, a lot of uh, those that, that fund does come from bigger sports success like um, Oklahoma, which the Big 12 might benefit from that. But realistically, it's the schools that are benefiting. Um, right. All of that, that money from ticket sales and donors goes straight to the schools. So if Texas mm-hmm. is making money off of that, West Virginia is, or other schools, Baylor, TCU, are not benefiting from that. So from my understanding that um, there's a budget for the Big 12, and if you don't have to give X amount of money to Texas and Oklahoma, that leaves more money to give other schools, which might Mm -hmm. be, I mean, obviously now uh, with not as many schools, they're going to have to find a couple more out-of-conference games to kind of fund um, the same amount of, uh, fans into those games, if that makes sense. So I think that it either can be, um, you know, we're going to see a little bit more money given to the other schools, or if we decide to adopt other schools, you know, that money can be replaced there. But realistically, this money um, in the budget, you know, each school is kind of given a certain amount, depending on how right. well their their sports, sporting teams do. But if you eliminate two of those teams, that means there's more budget for other teams or other programs in the conference. So I think that'll kind of be interesting to see. I'm not exactly sure on it, but I know that kind of when you, especially when you talk about like uh, paying athletes, right? The the budget's not getting any bigger. Like it, it, it is no. what it is. And so as if you have to um, designate certain parts of the budget to different places, right? Obviously you want the biggest budget you can so you can fund more things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, and and, th- and so in in that sense, you're looking at it as like w- this is this could be a really good thing for the for schools like the smaller schools in the Big Twelve, such as like WVU and TCU, and you know the Baylor's that are like okay, we can get more of the TV revenue money if you know if Texas if we just only add maybe another smaller school such as like a Cincinnati and uh, Houston or Memphis or SMU uh, instead of having Texas and Oklahoma take you know have a have have their big pot. Now, I guess that's that's one thing that I know that's always been in the conversation, but I know, Daniel, you, you and me have talked about this before, that we've heard there's rumors that the Pac-12 and what is remaining of left of the Big 12 come 2025, they want to do some type of scheduling agreement. And now you covering sports at a Pac-12 school. Um, you can see that you, you can see Arizona State, it's a different, completely, Pac-12, it's a completely different culture compared to the Big 12 and also East Coast schools in general, do you see that actually coming to arise and actually actually happening? So from my perspective, the Pac-12 probably makes the most sense out of all the conferences. Like pretty much all the big schools on, you know, the West Coast are in the Pac-12. So I think the Pac-12 is pretty, um, pretty solid right now. I think it will mm-hmm. be interesting, like you say, Houston, SMU, other schools that are in that region – that are maybe looking to get in a Power Five conference that can maybe fund that, are maybe looking at the Big 12. Um, I think that's also interesting from schools like West Virginia. Like, we geologically make no sense to be in the Big 12 with schools that are kind of in that center region. So, but I mean, Mm -hmm. the conferences are just usually spread out all over the place. 
So right. it is going to be interesting to see what's going to happen um, with that, if anything happens. But from my perspective, I think here, from the feedback, the conversations that I've had here, the Pac-12 is not going anywhere. There's no schools that are going to leave the Pac-12. The Pac-12 is not going to take in any schools. But obviously, you never know what can happen. And so I think it'll be really interesting just to see kind of what comes about this and like kind of almost the turmoil and conversations, rumors that happen up until that point because, you know, for the Bay 12 to develop all these rules for Texas and for Texas to leave, that's kind mm -hmm. of going to, I think, develop some more, um, some more things along or down the road. So I think it'll definitely be interesting, but until anything, you know, no contracts are signed, anything is set in stone, you know, it's really anyone's game and a lot can change fast. Right, a lot can change, and the thing is, it's it's funny because we we've been talking about this whole realignment and talking about all these other sports. Um, how do you think this affects volleyball programs? The whole realignment. I wanted to know this perspective because I know how it affects basketball. It it ruins, it takes away rivalries yeah. and stuff. But from the volleyball perspective, how does this affect with like from your perspective, seeing four years being in a uh, be playing for a school that's like a fish out of water, a fish out of region. From your perspective, if this goes through again and affects other schools, how, how does do you, can you give a perspective on how that how would that go through as a volleyball player? Yeah, so I think it's really interesting, and it really affects um, you know the Olympic sports because I mean you think about mm -hmm. it. If you talk about in terms of uh, basketball and football, obviously it makes a lot of sense for the football program to go and compete in the SEC. Because, um, you are you know, mm -hmm. Oklahoma is obviously going to be able to compete. And, you know, the fans want to see that. And Texas has been up there in the Big 12 championship for a couple years. So that, that also makes sense. But you look at basketball. Oklahoma basketball has not been competitive since Trey Young was there. Texas mm -hmm. recently got competitive. This past year they made a good run. Uh, but you yeah. look at years before that, they had not been good. Like, you know, So I think it's very interesting because – um, you know, people center all of these decisions based around one sport. Whereas you look at volleyball, Texas has always been good at volleyball. They'll go and right. compete in the SEC against former national champions, Kentucky, programs like Florida that have also been mm -hmm. really competitive. But there's also programs that they're completely just going to roll that, you know, other teams in the Big 12 might be more competition for them. Oklahoma volleyball hasn't, you know, maybe has been in the top, half of the Big 12, how are they going to do in the SEC now? And, you know, because if there's mm -hmm. that many more teams they have to, you know, beat out in order to get that post, uh, you know, everyone wants to make the postseason. Now, if they're going to have a harder time making the postseason because they have to beat all of these good teams now in the SEC, it's going to make it that much harder for them. So I think right. it's, it's just tough for Olympic sports because these decisions are based off of A, the budget, and B, football. Maybe basketball. Right. Everything else is kind of just, you know, you got to follow along because that's what these decisions are, are made off of. So I think, it, you know, it is hard for, for volleyball because every team's goal is to make that postseason. And mm -hmm. I think now this might make it easier for teams in the Big 12 to get in that postseason because there's less teams. And maybe some of those teams that do come in don't have the strongest volleyball programs. Great. So I think it definitely will uh, make for some problems for um, the NCAA trying to pick out these teams um, to reevaluate now ever after after so many years doing it, you know, this way. It's kind of going to throw a wrench in and everything 
strategy they had before. Right, and especially with the volleyball tournament being like so selective, not many teams going compared to other sports. Like to make the tournament, I know for our our school, just won the Ryder just won their first ever conference title in volleyball and got blown out by UCLA. <laughs> they all lost in like their sets like immediately in the first round. But for them, it was their first time ever going, and I can only imagine if they got thrown in leaving the um, the Metro. Yeah, I can't even think of our conference name. Dan, you remember our conference name? Uh, Metro Metro Athletic. So a bunch of teams yeah, the, in New York. Yeah, if they if they if they left the Metro Athletic and got thrown into the CAA playing like James Madison, I don't know if they had the same success, you know, or like got thrown into the MAC playing Toledo or like Buffalo, those like slightly bigger schools or the A10 playing like the LaSalle's, the George Masons, uh, the VCU's. It would be um. It'd be very interesting <laughs> to see they'd have to reevaluate their program, I guess, in that in that sense. Yeah, and I mean, being in a bigger conference will give you a bigger budget, hopefully, to get bigger recruits. Right? And, you know, the money the money is always going to be a part of sports. Like, whether you want to say it or not, like, it's always going to affect you know everything. That's why NIL. Like, that's why they want athletes to try and uh, be able to like kind of benefit off of their name image and likeness because they can use that to recruit so i I think it's just i think it's crazy just to think about you know there's it's 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 hard for me to think about as an athlete because it would be hard to go through but also it makes me excited as a journalist because that means change means there's some story to cover so i'm excited just to see what happens there's going to be good things and there's going to be tough things um so I, i think as a journalist that just makes me excited to see what comes out of it and what stories will come out of it. Mm. Mm. That's, that's great to hear. That's, that's, that's great. To, that's great to hear. Now, let's transition. You come recently. You said in the beginning of the show you covered the Olympics, and I know what was the one sport you really got the that you really enjoyed covering, Aaron. I knew. I know you watched the volleyball one that recently. They won the gold medal historically, but what was the other sports that you never really got to notice about? You know, you got to see a little bit more educated about. You know, growing up now. You know, now as a journalist, you're covering like what was that one sport? Um, well, I think it was it was honestly really fun to um, cover basketball because you have you know Diana Taurasi. You know, she plays here um, for the Phoenix Mercury. Um, kind of watching her and Sue Bird kind of go through their Olympic process, looking to win another Olympic gold medal. And, and also the, the men's basketball team, too. Devin Booker, you know, right after NBA Finals, like going to play for the Olympics and working towards that, uh, that gold medal with some of the best basketball players, too. Also, with some of the basketball players that he was playing right against, you know, just a couple weeks earlier. You know, now they're on the same team together. So it's kind of cool just to kind of see that from a local perspective, like those players go and be successful. Um, but really, overall, like, you know, volleyball, there's a lot of adversity. Um, obviously, with basketball, didn't do so hot in the exhibition games. We went into the Olympics not really knowing what to expect. Are they going to get there and do really well? Or are they going to get there and choke? But both teams ended up kind of um, overcoming that adversity, which was really cool to see and, and taking home gold. Um, same thing. I mean, obviously, my beat was volleyball, naturally. Um, you know, mm-hmm. kind of seeing them overcome a lot of injuries and stuff like that. Or even uh, the men's team got knocked out right away. But there was a post on social media, one of the players posted, you know, this is, a, this is sports right here. Everyone is working for the same exact thing. Everyone works hard, trains hard all year. And sometimes you're going to win and sometimes you're going to lose. 
but it's how you react to that and, you know you deal with that grief and you go back and you you keep trying and you trade harder and you try and make those adjustments so I think it just overall it was really cool to see like we didn't win every event but that's what makes the Olympics competitive and fun is you see all these people all these athletes like some of the most decorated athletes in the entire world competing against one another you know working like this is their dream this is what they've dreamed of all of their life and you know going head to head um i think is is fantastic so it was a really really cool opportunity but definitely really cool to see some of the people that i got a chance to interview and a chance to know to watch them you know achieving their dreams that like can't help but make you a little bit emotional and really appreciate um, you know, what you get to do and, and all the amazing things that you get to experience because I decided to do this as a job. Right. Right, right. I know. That's, all, that's awesome to hear. And I think, you know, speaking on the Olympics and speaking of, of the coverage that you've gotten, do you, and this is like more transition to a little more like, I guess more of like, let me just see where your mind's at with this. Um, you know, recently it's been the topic of mental health. Uh, with the Olymp- with Olympic athletes and athletes just in general, and I guess my question to you, as someone who's coming up in the industry, just like one of us is, um, are we not sympathetic enough to those Simone Bile stories, as as media as members of the media, members of broadcast journalism or journal- or, writ- or print journalism, are we sympathetic? Are we not sympathetic enough to stories like Simone Biles or Naomi Osaka um, when we talk about mental health? Or are we too critical? And I think that being an athlete and going through, you know, that experience has helped me be, has helped me understand, you know, when, when those stories come out, I understand what that's like. I understand the grind and what it takes to kind of go through that and how some days you really just, some days you're just not feeling it. You're not feeling mentally there. You're, you're going to have bad days. And I think that since I understand that as a journalist, I understand. But I also understand from a journalist standpoint, right, you're there. You want to share those athletes' stories. And sometimes I think journalists, you know, get frustrated because they just assume that the athletes are going to have good days every day. And if they're not having a good day, then it's like, well, why aren't you having a good day? Like you, you know, Simone Biles, like the most decorated gymnast ever, the GOAT. Like she's having a bad day, what? Like how can she have a bad day? She's supposed to be the GOAT. But I think that, you know, not every journalist has the same experience as me. They don't understand what it's like, you know, to go through some of those things and to sometimes just need a mental break and how beneficial that can actually be and almost life-saving that can be for you. Um, but there mm-hmm. is just this stigma around athletes that they're supposed to be perfect all the time. And they feel that. They feel that pressure. And it's hard to, you know, I think now because men- mental health is more of a conversation, athletes aren't afraid to say anymore, hey, I'm having a bad day. I can't do this right now. What would benefit me the most is just, you know, taking time to myself, figuring my mind out so I can come back and be better. I feel like that really wasn't a thing. And you see that a lot in coaches now too. Coaches don't really understand what, you know, how to go about mental health. Cause what they were taught is just, you know what, if you're not feeling good, if it's not working for you, you need to get more reps. You need to work out more. You need to do this. When it reality might be just, I just need a mental break. I need some reassurance about, you know, my, my affirmations and what, 
you know, I need to remind myself of all the great things I can do before I can go out and do them. Because sometimes when you feel that pressure to perform, it, it can kind of overcome you and can make you perform at a level that, you know, might not be your best. So I really think that I'm grateful for my experience because I did have days where I was not okay and not good and had to push through that and take time to work on my mental health. And I saw how working on my mental health and, um, you know, could affect, you know, and benefit me and I could come back and be a better player than if I wouldn't have taken that time. So I think as a journalist, I understand that, but I feel like it's harder for some other journalists that may not have the same experience as us. It's hard for someone to understand when they haven't gone through it. So that's why I feel mm -hmm. like being a college athlete and being at that level and being able to relate to the people that I'm interviewing and telling their story, like just makes me that much better of a journalist. Right, right. right. And I feel, I feel that too. And Daniel, you can agree? You would agree with that? I totally well? agree as well. I think, you know, one of the things I really like, especially with the recent media wave, there's a lot more journalists who've played, who have experienced the same athletes. So a lot of people respect that. Like, for example, Maria Taylor, I know you met her uh, at WV. She, she played, like, multiple sports, so a lot of people can connect with her easily as well. And so my next question leading into that, Aaron, is do you think more athletes should look into sports journalism? Um, you know, after after their playing career, whether they're done playing pro or done playing collegiately, you know, to bring more awareness to the sport and bring more, you know, bring more more authentic stories. You know, do you think that that should be more of a bigger wave than what it is now? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's a great route. You see so many athletes nowadays. I just went to the Fox Sports uh, seminar. There's so many former athletes, former coaches that are getting into the field because it's hard when sports have been your whole life to just go like cold turkey and just be like, no, no sports. So a lot of times you see athletes that'll go and after they're done playing, they'll coach. And then, you know, what, what happens when you're done coaching, you know? So, I mean, that's a, it's a great way to keep sports in your life, especially the more experience you have, the more understanding you have if you're covering um, that sport. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that sports journalism is the only way. I think that more athletes need to be reminded that once your sport ends, like your experience is going to help you no matter what field you're in. Obviously, because I'm in journalism, you know, it helps me in, in that way. But whether you are a doctor or an accountant or anything that you decide to do in your life, a teacher, your experience is going to help you be better at that. And like, Sports are like, there's a lot of lessons that you learn in sports that can help you outside of sports and whatever you want to do. So I think it's important for athletes to remember that whatever they want to do, their athletic experience is going to help benefit them um, in whatever they decide to do with their life next, whether it be journalism or not. Right, right. And that, speaking of next life, yes, and you, you have obviously decided that this is your path, this is your career path. I guess these are two, I guess it's like one big loaded question, but it's like a two-parter. And this is like one of my last questions, unless Daniel's got one more question after me um, before, we, um, before we go. I guess my big last question is, what advice can you give to your younger self, you know, going into this field and studying? Because I, I school, uh, read school media was very interesting times, a lot of interesting audio projects and getting up on to, to doing the news and also trying to figure out practice and flying in late from places like Hawaii or uh, Texas for road games and stuff like that. Um, 
what can you tell your younger self about this process of getting getting to where you are now? Um, and also, what kind of advice can you give to those who are going through similar processes or are going to be eventually going through similar processes? Yeah, so I feel like when I came into college, again, like, my life had been volleyball. So, yes, I was interested in broadcast journalism, but I wasn't sure if I was going to go play professional, if I was going to coach, like, or if I was going to pursue this degree. And I think that I came in with this mindset that college sports were going to be so glamorous. Every day was going to be perfect. I was going to love it. But as we just talked about, right, there were bad days and it was tough, right? You went from just going to being a kid playing in high school to like, now it's like, you got to perform every day. You cannot have a bad day. And so I think that because I felt that I wasn't receiving that value, like that, that really like satisfying feeling in my sport it kind of pushed me to, to look for that value in something else. So realistically, when I came to W, I was just kind of like, ah, eh, the journalism program. But as I kind of went throughout my career, it really helped push me to like do more. Like, what can I be doing to help myself after college? Like, what in what ways can I take what I love to do, which is play sports, and it can help me in the future. So I think I would just tell myself that you know, sometimes things are going to change and you might not, there might be one area where you're not feeling great, but that doesn't mean that you can't go and be great in another area. So I think I would just tell myself, you know, like go into every situation, just like almost trusting that if you try your best, that's all you have to do. Go out, do what you love to do and try your best. And don't let anyone tell you that you can't do something. I think there were a lot of times where I let what people thought of me determine what I did or how I acted. And when I figured out that I just had to go in there, be myself and do my best, that's when I really glowed up and like found what I, my, my true love for what I was doing. So I think that would just be my best advice. Right, right, right. And I, 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 I agree with that too. Well, Dana, what do you think, man? Uh, I, I'm, I'm for that. I, I totally agree with that as well. She, I mean, that's that's wisdom right there, just passing along the wisdom for the for the young young folks and everything. And I do have one. I do have one question. This is a funny one because this this is going to take you back to your W days, 2016. You're a freshman or sophomore, and you need a name, image, and likeness. What business do you think you're trying to get your <laughs> first NIL deal? You know, and please note, the bars might be listening <laughs> and anything like that. So which which business or uh, which which sponsorship deal would you do if you if um, the NIL de- deal happened when you're in, when you're an athlete at W? Man, it's so crazy because I'm not a college athlete anymore. But um, I think I, I just would depend on what uh, what really like my offers were um i think my advice uh, going back if i were to give myself advice if i did could do this um it would just be to make sure like you know the business completely and understand i think the only problem with this nil is a lot of athletes are a little bit oblivious to kind of the trouble that they can get into um, just making sure that you are well aware, you have someone that is helping you through the process, um, someone that's making sure that you're checking your contracts, knowing that if you accept any free things, you're going to have to pay taxes on that. 
So we don't want any tax fraud, which I'm sure um, the colleges are trying to um, control a little bit. But if like I could choose any any local Morgantown business that would represent me, hmm, I would have to say I've, I've got to think. Oh, there's so many like good good places that I just love. There is a coffee place. Um, that's over like behind downtown and I'm I'm totally blanking on the name of it but it was like my favorite coffee place and it was so like unknown and I would love to Was go it the, did it start with the letter name blue? No, it doesn't. Oh my gosh. I'd, oh. I'd have to look it up. Um but I I love I love 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 coffee like as I sit here like with my coffee. Um <laughs> I love coffee and I would love to do some sort of like advertising for them because I was like if I love it this much you know, like there's got to be some like, some way I could help them, and so, anyways, that's what I feel like I would do. Any sort of like local coffee place. Um, I just love I love coffee, so why not why not share my love? I'm passionate about that, so share my passion and help out a local business. I think that would be fun. Right, right, and always you know support local before you support all. Uh... You know the national. That's always the phrase. But oh, yeah. I think, unfortunately, we have ran out of some time uh, to talk. Aaron, you're a lovely guest, and we'll definitely have you back on Great. on our podcast for sure as a recurring guest and you follow talk, your journey. <laughs> of course, so, whenever your journey is, wherever it takes you to stay in LA in the Phoenix area, or if it takes you to even out, if it takes you to even LA, or even back east anywhere. Of course, we'll love to have you as a guest. <laughs> but until then. Thank you so much for being the guest, and this is the Twinsultation, and we'll be back with more guests and more interviews later on. Thank you, Aaron, once again. You're welcome.